So Stacy talked as she was up here about this journey that she's been on. I feel like we've been on a, the, the same one of trying to figure out what is it like to have peace? What is it like to have Sabbath? What's it like to have rest rather than just craziness? Because I feel like in our culture, crazy is normal, right? So you feel crazy if you're not crazy, if that makes sense. I feel more like Poe. I feel like more like the panda sometimes than like the master, where I'm just like, okay, peace, let's get it done. And the master's more like, you know, there's a process involved in learning peace. It takes time. It takes patience. So today, I'm not going to give you three easy ways to peace. But what I do want to share with you is what I feel like the Lord is teaching me from his word about finding peace inside. And here's why. Not just so that I can feel great like I'm sitting in the jacuzzi all the time, but because he wants to bring peace out there. The shalom, the peace of God, needs to spread through our community, needs to impact lives and save marriages and families and homes and rescue neighborhoods and change the fabric of Ventura County. But that doesn't happen because we, like, just go make it happen. Because if we just go out and, and say, God, we're just going to change this community... What are we inviting people into? We're inviting them into crazy. But what if the crazy gets replaced with peace and this contentment and this being solid in the Lord and in who we are and, and this shalom, this wholeness can come inside of me? And then I can invite people into that. And I say, come join me in this peace. Come see what this walk with Jesus is like. They're going to want that. Amen? So... So I feel like, um, well, I, this week I, I Googled, and I, I said, you know, inner peace, and I often Google. Do you, do you guys just Google stuff, just random? And I, and I said, peace inside, peace within. And you know what came up right away was Scripture? And I thought it was really cool that number one hit was, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. That's from John 16, in the words of Christ. The road to having peace inside of us is having peace in Him. You've probably seen the t-shirts or bumper stickers, no God, no peace, no God, no peace, right? That's not just a cliche. Some, some Christian stuff is a cliche, right? Some bumper stickers really make me angry. That's really true. If we can know Him and rest in Him, then we're going to have peace. If we don't know him and we're not resting in him, relying in him, trusting him, peace is not going to be possible in our lives. But here's the, here's the big thing I've been struggling with. My definition of peace is often different than his. The definition of peace, if you look it up in dictionary.com, one of my favorites also, and there's a thesaurus right there. So dictionary.com, you can do both. But when you look up peace there, really four of the five definitions are an absence of war a break in the struggle, no trouble. That's how Americans see peace, right? So we're used to war, we're used to crazy, peace is the break between the crazy. But God's definition of peace is totally different than that. His definition is the Hebrew word shalom. Now shalom comes from the word restore, and it means to put things back in order, and order would have a capital O. In other words, 
The Garden of Eden, God created this structure, this order, this peace, this beauty, this relationship. And that is what Shalom wants to restore to bring back. So Shalom is basically completeness, wholeness. It means goodwill. It means friendships are right. Relationships are right. Covenant with God is right. To experience shalom is to experience God's best. Now think about that for a minute. God's best. He's the best. When he brings his best, there's nothing better. There is nothing better we can experience in life than the best of our best creator. Now, people in our community and and us as well, we want peace in our lives, meaning we we don't want to experience trouble anymore. So it seems like in our culture, people go after prescription drugs, lots of vacations, the new car, the new house, the new boyfriend, the new wife, the new husband, the new, right? All these trying to gather peace, trying to like regroup. But what God wants to do is not just make us feel peaceful. He wants to do much more. He wants to introduce his wholeness into our lives. He wants to, rather than make us feel better, he wants to make us who we're supposed to be. Does that make sense? But people in your life, and many of us as well, because we are from this culture, we're like, I'm okay if I just feel better. And the Lord, as our good parent, and I have a six-year-old, what she wants is not always the right thing. I want much more for her than she... What she wants is candy, because she had candy last night at movie night. She went nuts. I, I, I had to grab a bag of contraband. I mean, she had this huge bag of candy and she was intent on hiding it from me and eating the whole thing last night and she wanted more today. Now, sometimes in our lives, we're like that, like, just make me feel better, God. And he's like, but I have so much more for you. And so sometimes he will hold back that piece of making me feel better in order to accomplish a better goal, which is who am I supposed to be in him? Does that make sense? So if you have your Bible, turn to Mark 4, and um, if you don't have your Bible, do it on your phone, and Bible Gateway, Bible app, whatever. If you don't have either, you should get one. Bibles are very helpful. This is one of my favorite stories from Mark 4, uh, towards the end, verse 35, Jesus out on the lake. So just picture yourself there. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, this is an interesting phrase, just as he was in the boat. There were other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, quiet, be still. I think it's interesting. He didn't tell the disciples, like, relax, you're going to be fine. He really wanted a nap. He knew they would keep bugging him, right? So he just went right to the waves like, hey, cut it out. And it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? I love this. They were terrified. And they asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. That is a rhetorical question, guys. Who is this? They already know, right? Even the wind and the waves, confirmation. (laughs) Like, you already know who he is. 
They're just out loud trying to say, like, I think it's God right here with us. So let's look at what was happening. They came out of a really busy season of ministry. People were healed. Jesus was preaching. He was teaching some of the parables. All this stuff was happening. And then he said, you know, guys, we got to get away. We got to go to the other side of the lake, meaning the Sea of of Galilee. So the guys kind of took charge. The disciples go, okay, Jesus, we got this covered, right? We're going to, okay, get him a little knapsack, you know, put him in the back of the boat, right? We're in charge, right? Notice how in charge worked out. Right? They get out in the middle of the lake. There's a huge storm. And they're like, oh my gosh, we're going to die. So they wake him up. They still needed the master. They thought they were in charge. They still needed him. They needed him more and more. I think it's interesting how they left one storm for another. Isn't that like life? The storm of ministry, the busyness of serving people, healing people, teaching, preaching, going on the road, all this stuff. And like, we got to get away from this. So they get out on the lake, and what happens? It gets worse. Wow. There's no such thing as a problem-free life. In fact, there's a four-letter word for a whole string of problems needing a solution. You know what it is? Life. We live on a planet where things go wrong, where things like Iraq happen. And if we think that that's not how it should be or that's not normal, that's the first thing that's going to mess up our peace because we live in a messed up place. Now, in Ventura County, some people have called this Disneyland, right? We're a little sheltered. We're a lot sheltered from what's happening in the rest of the world. We've kind of created this bubble around us. And yet, people get sick. Car accidents happen, right? Addictions happen. All kinds of stuff still happens inside of our our bubble, Storms are normal. Notice that Jesus was with them in the middle of the storm. Where he was did not necessarily mean things were going to be calm. Does that make sense? He was right in the middle of the storm with the guys. In fact, Jesus promised that things would get bumpy. He said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Now, that is the second half of the verse. I think it's interesting if we look at the first half of the same verse. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Remember, that's the verse that we started with? And then the second half is you're going to have trouble. So Jesus is saying both are true. I will give you peace and there will be trouble. These are not mutually exclusive things. In fact, we will need him more when we are in trouble. The disciples needed him more because they were in a storm. If there's no storm, we need him less. We grow less. We stay babies in our faith forever. But when the storms come and we say, oh my gosh, I need you. That's how we grow closer to our Lord. So if we pray for no storms, interesting. There's there's an Arab proverb that says, all sunshine makes a desert right? That's the truth. Now, do you think that going through the storm was good for the disciples? Some of you are like, I don't like, I don't like being seasick. There's no way, right? I think going through that storm and relying on him and seeing him calm the storm gave them a ton of inner peace for the next couple of years of following him. Really, 
If the storm had never happened, they would have seen him a little differently. I think the same thing is true in our lives. God wants to bring peace in the middle of normal life, which is often stormy, for us to grow closer to him. And also, because people watch you when you're going through it. Have you ever noticed that? If you go through a difficult time with your health or your family or something, your neighbors and your friends are like watching you like, I wonder how he's going to do. And then if you do okay, they're like, how did you do that? Or they talk about you behind your back and they're like, you know, Peter went through that whole thing and he was okay. They're noticing, they're watching what happens because real life has storms. I have always been fascinated with hurricanes. I don't know about you, but um, not that like I'm a storm chaser or any of that, but there's something about a hurricane, the massive size of it, just hundreds of miles, sometimes a thousand miles. And then notice at the center, there's the eye of the hurricane, right? And the crazy part about the eye is that it's calm, relatively calm. Right in the center of all this destructive force, this terrifying, life-threatening, I mean, it can damage a whole state, like in a matter of a couple of hours. Right in the center of it, you could just hang out and just stand there and go like, look at all that. I feel like that's a picture of what the Lord wants to do in our lives because there's all this stuff swirling around. And he wants to say like, now move a little bit, Mark. Move over here by me. You're safe here, and you can just watch it, and I'm going to go with you. But yeah, we are in the storm. And then as we notice people that are going around us, right? Like remember in, in the movie Twister, there's like a cow that went up in it and a truck, and I feel like the Lord is like, now we can reach out and we can help people come into the middle, and they don't have to go through all that insanity. Let's pull them into the middle. In the middle of life's storm, there can be peace. Um. I read a book called um, The Way of the Heart, Henry Nouwen, and it's quotes of the Desert Fathers from a thousand years ago or so. And there was one common theme that a lot of these monks had, and it was a story that they used to tell about the shipwreck. And what they would say is that society is a ship that's gone against the rocks. And the problem is a lot of times when you're, when you're in a shipwreck, you're, you're in the water and you're trying to save everybody that's around you, but you're drowning. And they said, what you need to do is swim so that you can get at least your feet on shore, on the ground, and then you can help people out who are drowning. But unless your feet are firmly planted, don't try to help anybody because you're going down. But I think it's an interesting picture that in the middle of life's storm, Jesus can bring peace, and we can invite people into that place of peace with us. So does Jesus just magically bring peace, and we just go like, bring me peace, boom, boom. That's not how it works. Now, I feel like there are a couple of attitudes that the scripture talks about that invite us into peace, that are like, like keys that we can unlock, and then Jesus has more access, the Holy Spirit has more access into our lives to bring his peace. The first one is this, accepting. We can accept what Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. I have so many friends that cannot accept that, and they say, no, if I'm a believer, I'm not going to face the terrible stuff. I must have done something wrong. Or if I pray enough, all of this trouble will go away. And they can never have peace because they're always at war with the struggle. And I feel like if we, if we can just accept and say, as First Timothy says, as Second Timothy, we'll have times of difficulty. 
As 1 Peter says, we will face trials and tribulations. In fact, if we don't have persecution, we may not be following Jesus. That's an interesting thing. So Scripture over and over and over again talks about how the world has fallen and it's messed up and we have to deal with it. So if we were experiencing perfection now, that's not what Jesus talked about. And yet we live in this funny, um, this funny balance of the kingdom is coming and the kingdom is not yet. And so we're to be people of peace that are bringing the shalom of God to planet earth and around us his kingdom is being established in the middle of a storm. Which means that some of that stuff's going to be torn down, right? Some of, we're, some of the stuff you're building and working on is you know, two steps forward, one step back because we're building in a storm. But it's interesting how the only stuff that's going to last is spiritual. The only stuff that's going to last is his kingdom. So the first one is accepting that we live in a fallen place. The second one is this, trusting. Isaiah 26.3, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. I love that expression, perfect peace. Now, we all know God's love is unconditional, right? You've heard that a million times. His love's unconditional. You know what's interesting, though? His peace is conditional. He will love you no matter what, but he will not give you peace no matter what. And here's what I mean. Look, look at these words. We have to trust him to have his perfect peace. If I'm trusting me or if I'm saying, God, I don't know if you're trustworthy, how in the world am I going to have peace? Where am I going to place my, how am I going to find that peace? That's not lasting peace. It's not perfect peace unless I'm trusting him, which means I'm putting my weight in him. And the word keep, the original means that there's a stake in the ground that you tie your tent to or you tie your camel to and nothing can move that stake. So he will keep you in his peace. If you trust in him, he'll put that stake in the ground and he will, you will be okay in, in life's storm because you have this tether to that thing. And that's trusting his faithfulness, his goodness, his power. That's trusting now, think of the guys on the boat. They were freaking out with good cause because the storm was big. But you know what was bigger? The solution to the storm. Jesus was way bigger than that storm. And he just said, go away, storm. God can do that at any time in our lives, and he does it. He loves to do that. He loves to ride in and just change it. Now, there are other times when you're wishing he would change it, and he does not. And someday I want to have those conversations with him and say, like, what about that one time? And then he'll say, well, here's what I was doing. He's always purposeful with what he's doing in our lives. Now, the last one is this, surrender. We can't have the peace of God until we have peace with God. If we're running from him, if we're hiding from him, if we're trying to do it our own way, if we think we got it all together and we're not saying, I surrender, I give up, you're in charge and I'm not, he cannot bring peace into our lives because it's like we have pushed it away. There's a cool verse in Romans 5. It says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Since we've been justified, we have peace. Through Jesus, we have peace. There is not another way to have peace. He is our peace, it says in Ephesians 2. He is our peace, the prince of peace. Remember that? Before he was even born, the prince of peace was, was prophesied in Isaiah. 
So here's the question for, for you who are here. Is your life surrendered to his life? Is your life willing to have the life that he brings? Is your mind, your will, your spirit surrendered, given over to Jesus? And this is how you're going to know. It's not that, hey, I raised my hand when I was Lutheran with my grandma when I was eight. Or I said certain words, like a little, you know, magical incantation, right? How you know if you're surrendered is if you're obedient. An obedient life is a surrendered life. Jesus said, you love me if you obey my commands. This is a love relationship that we have with him. This is not just a contractual obligation. This is not just, I said certain words, so I'm saved, so I'm good at Jesus said, a lot of people are going to say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this in your name? And he's going to say, I never knew you. We need to know him and follow him and be surrendered to him and be his disciples. Not just, there's this weird thing. The Bible doesn't talk about believers, hardly at all. It talks about disciples and followers and students and those who love God and those who trust him, those who put their faith in him. But the American church, we just talk about, well, you know, believe, get baptized, you're good. That's scary. And maybe we don't have peace because we are not sold out, surrendered people saying like, Jesus, I give up. You're the boss and I'm not. You're the prince of peace. Please bring me your peace. It's almost like we go after him and we get peace. If we go after peace, we'll get nothing. If we go after him, he brings his peace because he is our peace. And then he says in John 14, peace I give you, my peace I live with you. I don't give you as the world gives. So there's this, what he's saying is the peace that the world gives is temporary. It's the break between wars. The peace that he brings is eternal. It changes everything. Now, I feel like some of you need to get this right with the Lord. So if, if when I was talking about obedience, if that just kind of spurred you a little bit, um, just pray for a second and just say, Jesus, I want to surrender to you. I want to give you my stress, my craziness, my war, my anxiety, my disobedience. I want to be yours. I want to be yours forever. I surrender. I give you me. And if you are praying that today, come and see me, come see Billy, come see one of us after and just say like, I want to get this thing right with Jesus and we will help you get started. And um, Rick and Cheryl are right here. Would you guys wave your hands? They have a passion to help people who are new in Jesus get plugged in and get rooted and get started. Come and see them after and just say like, help me get started in Jesus. Help me. I want to be more obedient. I want to be more peaceful. Help me get started. Okay, they're right here. How many of you heard of the serenity prayer? Right? Did you know there's a part of it that is the second half of the serenity prayer? How many of you knew that? So here's the first part. Let's do the first part. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. That is a beautiful prayer. Now, interestingly, the second half is the context for all of that. Now, let's check this out. 
living one moment at a time, oh, in living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace. You see that? One way to peace, probably the easiest way to peace, is through hardship. Taking, as Jesus did, this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it. That's the accepting part. Yes, the world is messed up. Trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. This is the last secret of peace. When we want to be supremely happy in this life, we're going after the wrong thing. If we want to be supremely happy in the next, we're going after the right thing. I love how he said, help me to be reasonably happy now. Now, as you sit there, this is how we're going to end. Where is there no peace in your life? Is it work? Is it home? Is it family? Is it health? Is it worrying about the future? Where is there no peace? Where do you, when I just bring that up, you just like something pops in your head or just something's bugging you, you're not sure what it is. Ask Jesus and just say, Lord, show me where is it in my life where there's this storm that doesn't need to be there. Storms are going to happen outside, but woe to us if we allow a storm in here. And just let the Lord identify what is that area that has no peace inside. And just trust him in that. Say, Jesus, I want to trust you with that thing, with that area, with that sphere in my life. Remember that he is with you in the middle of that storm. Let the master show you his peace and invite you into his peace. Let's pray. Lord, I ask for every person in this room, myself included, that you would show us where we have no peace. Jesus, you are the prince of shalom, the prince of wholeness, completeness, restoration, and hope. Bring your restoration. Fill in the cracks in our life. Lord Jesus, bring strength, bring healing, bring calm in our anxiety. Lord, we ask that your power would reign supreme over this area in our life where we feel so stressed. Lord, fill it in with your glory, with your grace, with your power, with your deep love for us. And Lord, push it out. Push out that anxiety and that stress. And Lord, replace it with your wholeness and your peace and all of who you are through your Holy Spirit, through your blood. Fill us with you. In Jesus' name and for his sake and for the sake of our community, amen.